This is Docera Digest Podcast, breaking down health concepts. This podcast is brought to you by Docera Life Center. This innovative clinic is finding new solutions to the evolving challenges mankind faces in the 21st century. By utilizing cutting edge technology and testing, they find root causes and also offer treatment with energy and nutrition. What is the mission? To dynamically change lives for the better while impacting families for generations. The information shared directly or indirectly in the Docera Digest podcast is not to be understood as or misconstrued as medical advice. This information is not a replacement for your current health provider who is acutely aware of your current health state and course of treatment. Any information shared about a product or service discussed by any host or guest on this podcast is not to be interpreted as a doctor-patient relationship. Well, welcome to another episode of Desera Digest, and we have a treat for you guys today. Uh, joining us today are two coaches, uh, Dan Stoll and Joey Barnes. Um, I want to hand it over to them to uh, introduce themselves, and uh, guys, just tell us how you got in this industry and, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. So my name is Coach Dan, Dan Stoll, as Luke introduced. I'm really excited to be here, so thank you guys for the opportunity. <laughs> About myself, I am an IFBB professional bodybuilder. I'm an NAFC certified nutrition coach, and I have been competing in bodybuilding for 12 years now and coaching for the last eight. And it's been a really beautiful journey to get me to this point. I've been fortunate enough to uh, mentor under some of the top coaches in the world and work with uh, now hundreds of different lifestyle and, and competitive athletes and just this has been my opportunity to embrace uh, keeping an attitude of servitude. And so bodybuilding is, is the ultimate personal journey for finding what you're truly capable of. Uh, but I've really found fulfillment in helping others uh, realize their potential as well. Beautiful, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize I was going to be following that up. Yeah, I'm going to let you guys down here. Um, I'm Joey. Um, so how I got into coaching, um, I was always an athlete growing up, played football all my life. I was, you know, pretty decent football player. Um, when I gave that up, I kind of fell into a lost space, you know, between like 19, 23. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, and my story kind of started you know, with the breakup, the traditional breakups make bodybuilders type deal. Um, a buddy of mine got tired of seeing me all up in my feelings and <laughs> dragged me to the gym. We started playing basketball. After a few weeks, I uh, noticed the weight room and said, dude, why aren't we lifting weights? Um, and from that moment, I was hooked. Um, I put on like 30 pounds in the first month of lifting. Um, yeah, so fast forward several years, I hire a coach, um, a professional bodybuilder that I always looked up to. I did my first competition. Fast forward a few more years. I was preparing for a show in St. Louis and my little brother took an interest in what I was doing and he wanted to, you know, follow um, the same foot, uh, uh, same path and uh, compete. In his first show, I told him I'd coach him for free. Had a lot of success doing so, really enjoyed it. Started coaching several other people for free for several months. Fast forward two and a half more years and here we are. Um, continue to grow. Um, yeah, love helping people, love coaching, seeing positive changes in their lives. And 
that's all I got. That's awesome. And just for our listeners, and obviously you guys are bringing yours too, but uh, Coach Dan is the coach of Icon, Team Icon. Yes, Team Icon. And Joey is coach of Rare Breed Physique. Correct. Awesome. Very cool. And we'll we'll link to that at the end. So really just to kind of keep things, you know, a little bit more laid back, you know, just talking about kind of what you guys do. So to the listeners, if you could take a pill where you would have better blood sugar control, a decreased risk of diabetes, a decreased risk of cardiovascular disease, a decreased risk of chronic illness, um, uh, eliminating visceral adipose tissue, again, that's fat tissue that surrounds your organs, improved bone, st- bone density, improved sleep, uh, improved mental and emotional health, so decreased risk of anxiety, depression, and those types of things, would you take that pill? All right. If you said yes, that's exercise. Those are the benefits of exercise. So guys, just, you know, in your own words, I guess, talk about kind of some of the stuff that you've seen as far as um, improving quality of life in people um, and just the power that, you know, exercise or more specifically resistance training can have in a person. It's speaking on resistance training. It's much like you said, it's the number one activity that can most effectively save adults from obesity, diabetes, osteoporosis, premature aging, depression, anxiety, and a caveat of other illnesses. And 60% of American adults still don't partake in any resistance training. Mm. So job security for us. (laughs) But it's just, it's something that clearly needs to become more mainstream and something that we try to, uh, at least myself, uh, try to meet people where they're at, but just introduce how you can, even introducing it one to two times a week, radically transform your quality of life, mental and physical health. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, even for the stay-at-home moms, um, I've worked with several, just getting them more active. Even workouts at home with, you know, bands, um, five-pound dumbbells, um, going on walks every morning, you see an immediate response and a positive change, even, you know, doing bare minimum, not, you know, they don't have to be in a gym, you know, like a bodybuilder training super intense every day, getting in the movement. Um, yeah, it's all positive changes. Even within we- the first week or two on most of my clients that I take on, you see decreased inflammation in their pictures. There's more, their complexion, their skin color is better. They seem more vibrant, their mood, you know, their energy all improved. Just making those small changes uh, with the resistance training and obviously diet as well plays a big role too. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know if uh, our listeners are, are seeing this on YouTube or watching this, but despite having started lifting last week, Joey and Danny look pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's The trick is small shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> But in all seriousness, you you bring up a good point and that kind of segues me into my next topic is, you know, if someone does see guys like, like obviously you two, their first thought is, well, they need to be, you know, competing to earn their pro card and bodybuilding or something like that. Um, do you guys take on clients that aren't doing that? And if so, how much kind of does that make up or more of a lifestyle client as opposed to a competition athlete? For sure. I think it's safe to say the majority of my roster all year round is lifestyle clients. And I don't have the same expectations as somebody who says they want to earn their competitive pro card. Um, it's much like I said, it's meeting them where they're at, but that's the majority of, of our roster and the growth we see. It's just 
everyday people that want to feel better, move better, live longer. These are all like very attainable goals and it's a lot closer within their reach than most people realize. It's not two hours in the gym. It's not starving yourself seven days a week. It's not chicken and rice, six meals a day. Uh, it's, it's very much like with the proper coaching and guidance, uh, it's, is attainable and it's within your reach and it can be enjoy enjoyable because that's what makes it sustainable for life. Yeah, I would agree with everything Dan just said. Um, I think a lot of people see, you know, the social media stuff. The athletes are the ones that tend to post right. a lot. So they tend to think that we only work with athletes and competitive, you know, um, athletes. But the truth of it is 75 to 80 percent of my roster is lifestyle client and gen pop. Um, I actually work with more females than I do males for whatever reason. I, I think my fiance played a big role in that, sure. um, with her following and who she brings aboard on board. But yeah, you don't have to compete. You don't have to be an athlete. Like I said, 70, 80% of mine are just regular people just looking to be healthier and feel better. So. Absolutely. What do you guys like? So say a, a new client comes on and let's just as assume for a moment, this is a general pop lifestyle client. What are kind of some of your guys's, you know, key things that you're addressing? So talk about, you know, really the whole heartbeat behind this, behind this po podcast episode, excuse me, is how you guys approach things and, and kind of how we approach things. And I know you two obviously have had the benefit of, of being in our clinic and working with us and, and seeing that, but talk about how, what your philosophy is, is how you approach just your, your typical average, average Joe, everyday client. It depends. It's, it, it depends on the context of the situation sure. and, and the person, of course. Um, generally speaking, um, my first focus is always on digestion. So we look at correcting the diet with whole foods, avoiding the processed stuff. And it doesn't have to be all of these major changes all at once. We start small. Um, that way we have the best adherence and the best chance at, at success. When someone that, you know, drinks Dr. Pepper, you know, six times a day and eats McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you tell them to start eating whole eggs and oats and drink a gallon and a half water a day. It's just not going to happen. No one has, not many people have the ability to flip that switch and make that giant lifestyle adjustment. So, but for me, I always start with digestion. And I think we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Sure. Ways to, you know, look that, but. Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It's like starting with their internal performance, kind of recognizing the environment that they are in, that they've created. Um, and then trying to get to the healthiest possible position first, before you worry about insert goal here, slapping on lean muscle tissue, getting shredded to the bone or losing body fat. We first want to just create a healthy environment. And sometimes that takes, oftentimes that takes a lot more time than they're anticipating because they've been in a state of dysfunction or poor health mm -hmm. for so long. Uh, but it's, there's no absolutes here, but a, a common one I see is, um, they've yo-yo dieted for years and they continually find themselves in the same, if not a little bit worse position every time. And they've never taken the time to first call it, build your metabolic capacity, but eat at a high enough calorie intake that internal function is optimal and they feel good and their hormone health is thriving. And they've set that as a bit of a baseline, if you will, or if they've been there long enough and are comfortable and perform well in their training at that intake before we start to gradually pull calories again. Most people want to go straight into a fat loss phase when they sign up or they decide they're going to get healthier now. 
and their average calorie intake five days a week is is 1600 hmm. and then the weekends it's about 7000 <laughs> <laughs> and it's creating just a, a really uh, a storm internally for for their health but also just for really poor fat accumulation hmm. and so just by setting a higher normal threshold for their calorie intake and and food sourcing is important here we'll discuss that more but getting their body used to thriving and then seeing how much better it responds when it's asked to lose fat or put you in a slight bit of a deficit uh, it, the response i think that's often what the yo-yo diets all neglect right mm -hmm. absolutely and generally when you increase their calories right away with whole foods they typically lose weight yeah and I think that's also the, the loss of inflammation. Inflammation. Yeah, that yeah. you see so quickly. And I think people get way too wrapped up on a scale, you know, the scale weight. I tell my clients this all the time. It's a tool. Right. It's not what we live and die by. It's a tool that we use to track progress amongst others. On that note, like when I'm starting out with, an, with a client and they give you, I want to be this weight by this time. Yeah. Throw that out the window. It's so valuable <laughs> yeah. to also ask, though, like, what does this weight represent to you? Right. What What do you achieve at this weight? Right. Oh, you feel better. Oh, you look better. So you don't actually want to be this weight. You want to feel better. Mm -hmm. You want to look better in the mirror. Yeah. Right. And an important part, too, with someone that signs up is having, you know, setting realistic expectations and having that conversation with them, especially someone, let's say they're, you know, 300 pounds and you know, I tell them, you've spent the last 30 years of your life putting yourself in this position. What makes you think that you are going to be 200 pounds in the next six months? <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not healthy. Could we do it? Absolutely. You're not going to like it. Right. And it's not, it's not going to be fun. And that's not the way to go about it. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the, and you guys can chime in on this too, but at least one of the things I've been seeing probably in an increase in frequency lately is patients coming into the clinic and expecting results overnight mm -hmm. when this is a chronic issue that's been going on for more times than not several years, kind of like you had mentioned. So is that something also that you guys see commonly too with clients? Oh, it's terrible, <laughs> especially with social media these days. Yeah. It's the instant gratification that everybody wants. I had a conversation with a client just the other day about this same thing. He's ready to, you know, do this summer shred to get ready for a photo shoot in July. And we just got done dieting. Like, bro, <laughs> let's pause for a second and, you know, spend some time here, you know, before we push again. And I told him it's, it's just the nature of, you know, society with instant gratification. They want mm -hmm. it now. It's that Amazon, Amazon prime yeah. <laughs> results. Mm -hmm. it all right now. I actually had a, a good conversation with one of my patients recently where we were talking about how we've really become a society that, prefer something synthetic something that's man-made that has all these promises with them you know promises but when we can actually get that from the whole thing or the natural thing we tend to neglect that so it's it's interesting how we see the that society's been kind of driven towards all these artificial things artificial foods that aren't really providing life they're actually taking life away so i think it's scary the, the level of trust <laughs> that most people give mm -hmm. to these things too, these these man-made or or synthetic foods, supplements, medicines. Yeah. It really comes down to lack of education and lack of interest. We get complacent or comfortable where we're at. We're comfortable with who we believe or who we think tells the truth. And, you know, as we go through things that kind of shake up the 
the world around us, we go, well, you know, maybe we need to start rethinking some of these things. This isn't exactly working the way I thought it was, or, or we're still going through and we're like, well, I'm having all these issues. This isn't matching up with what they said, but I don't know why. And that's even worse because you're, you're feeling all these things, but you can't figure out why you're actually struggling with it. So. I know you guys probably had the same uh, challenges that we do as doctors. You have patients <clears throat> that come in and for lack of a better word, it's more of patient or client care or managing them in some ways, their expectations, what they're trying to do. I know I have patients that come in and they're all excited month later, like, well, I'm not better yet. Well, yeah, you got parasites. This is going to take a while. Or, mm -hmm. And so some of it, what surprised me was when I became a doctor, wasn't just here, take this, you'll be better. And, you know, everything works the way. It's learning how to really manage them as mm -hmm. people. And, okay, let's set the expectations. Here's what we're looking for and kind of set the small goals. And the other side of this is to really celebrate when we hit those small goals because they're like, okay. I'm like, no, no, that's a huge deal. we right. got to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. we got to celebrate all these little things along the way because they are big victories. They may not be the end goal where we're wanting to get to, but, you know, when you're managing <clears throat> or helping them or keeping them motivated, cheering them on, you've got to be able to really – celebrate those small steps along the way. And I'm sure you guys deal with the same thing like we do in the office. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Let's see where we're at. Let's see where we were. Here's where we are now. Here's where we need to celebrate, but we still got a ways to go. And it's keep them through that because people lose interest. They lose motivation. You know, the, the, the hard work kicks in and yeah, now you really have to dig into it. And mm -hmm. so I'm sure you guys are dealing with a lot of the same things that we deal with, even mm -hmm. dealing yeah. with people. 100%. Absolutely. I think, like setting those micro goals all, all along the way to keep excitement there and also show them like we are continually moving towards the the mountaintop that you set at the front or at the mm -hmm. forefront of our working together. Like it could be like if an athlete wants to, or a client comes to you and wants to lose 50 pounds, but right now we're celebrating you had six consistent bowel movements this week. And that's a huge <laughs> change for you. Like, so no, you're not down five pounds yeah. already, but wow, look how much better your digestion is. Yeah. And like, it is setting those goals up front just so they continually realize you're still winning. You know, yeah. you, you came in thinking you'd win in two weeks, but like the reality is every step forward is, is yeah. to be celebrated. Yeah. It's yeah. important to enjoy the journey and embrace, you know, the process. Otherwise that's why people fall off. They want it right now and they lose motivation and mm -hmm. they forget about the small wins along the way. What, what's the saying in our clinic? Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I tell people, I said, it's, it's going to be ups and downs, but just, in, I tell the doctor the same thing. It's going to be ups and downs, but mm -hmm. enjoy the ride. Look at what you're able to do now with your life, how you're able to help people and just enjoy that and, and celebrate that even in the hard times and, and the hardships. I mean, I'll have patients that we do Zoom calls with patients all around the country and stuff. And I'm in there. I'm just pumping my fist in the air. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm cheering. They're like <clears throat> kind of confused. Like, that's huge. And like, look where you were. I mean, mm -hmm. we're celebrating. Like, yeah, but I'm not there. It doesn't matter. Let's celebrate. Let's get excited about it. Patients in office, they've seen me do some happy dances, which <laughs> I will not demonstrate on video because I don't want there to be evidence of that. But, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's being part of that, sharing that joy and excitement of being able to change people. Right. So. I, think I think a valuable uh, story or, or example of this I heard was if you're, objective was to climb Mount Everest and instead somebody took you in a helicopter and dropped you off at the top. Like it's not the same level of joy you'd experience getting there, nor would you be the same person you could be mm -hmm. had you gone through all of the struggle and the climb and the journey all the way up. That's good. That's I the greatest that. thing about fitness and bodybuilding is you get out what you put in. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's no, you can't fake it. You cannot jump to the end. You, there's no supplement, no diet, nothing. Right. You put in the work, you get the result. You don't mm-hmm. put in the work, you don't get the result. You stay where you're at. Well, nothing fast happens in body. No, it's a <laughs> long game. And mm-hmm. also I think too, for any potential, you know, clients or, you know, understand that we as coaches we don't know all the answers you know doctors don't know all the answers either like we don't (laughs) no (laughs) you know it's a process you know we're going to evaluate we're going to try some things see if it works see if it doesn't if it doesn't we shift and try something else right you know sometimes you get lucky and you get it right like that Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's not the case and it takes a little bit more time than we want but and it varies so much between clients in this case as far as what works for them i mean from our perspective what we deal with i mean we see all kinds of things from like you talk about digestion is one of the first things you got to really work on there mm-hmm. well if you have dysbiosis or leaky gut or you have um, imbalances in your microbiota so you don't digest very well if you have parasites you all these other things they're going to affect a lot of that and so some things you can do for one person may work really well but somebody else who has a parasite or something that's challenging all that you can spend a year trying to balance right. that out and it'll take a while so send them to you guys hey hey we have. We'll work together yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah i yeah. mean that's that's the beautiful thing about what we do is we complement each other very well you know trying mm-hmm. to help that individual and that's even when i put the sarah life center together i want it to be a collection of people working together with other people in our community to try to help people say I've got this problem. Who can I go to? Well, us, and then we'll send you to trainers. Or we'll do this. We'll send you all kinds of other people in town, whether it's clonics, whatever we need to do to help you get the weight off, right, <laughs> or the crap out. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's trying to find these people in the community to work together, and that, I think that's huge because so much of healthcare is sliced up and diced up into parts and pieces. Well, you have this, go see that guy. You have this, go see that guy, but nobody really knows what each other's doing. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe the pharmacist who has to look at all the prescriptions go, whoa, wait a minute. There's no community. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. really what I think is the joy of what we're doing in our clinic is building that community. You sure. Know? And mm-hmm. having you guys on board here today is exciting because it's, let's get to know each other a little bit better. Let's see what we can offer and how we can help people work together mm-hmm. to really change people's <laughs> lives. At the end of it, that's what I think we're all passionate about. I mean, I see that yep. you guys and what you're opening there and what you guys are talking about is, we really want to help people live a better life. Absolutely. I think the beautiful thing about what you guys do as well, as compared to like what a lot of traditional doctors that people will go to is you don't compartmentalize health. Like so much of our medical system is this is physical. This is mental. That's spiritual health. We have different levels or different people you need to see for each one as if they don't directly correlate and and involve (laughs) each other. Whereas so much of what you guys, in my experience, even visiting with Dr. Luke, is it's, we're addressing health as one entire entity. And that includes your mental and that includes your physical, yeah. that includes your spiritual. That's actually one of the things I like most about the techniques that we've been doing here since I've started practicing this way and, you know, following some of these techniques. It's not only helped myself become better, but, you know, it's changed my purpose in a way. Cause, you know, like Dr. Kyson just said, helping people have better lives. That was always kind of my big focus, my way to describe things, but, even just in these last few months, I've been realizing I need a better way to describe that because better is just, well, better than you are right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean optimum or best. And so one of the things I'm trying to kind of train myself to think about is I don't want people to just have better lives. I want them to live in a state of wholeness. And that has a, 
whole different feeling for me or whole different you know um, <clears throat> description when i think about it, that wholeness is mind body spirit everything all working together as one and you feel like you're complete because we most of us we feel like we're not whole we're not you know especially if we're dealing with illnesses we're dealing with lack of energy we're dealing with brain fog or fatigue all these different things we're struggling we don't feel whole we don't feel normal and that's where i'm trying to get you know my patients and even myself and my family is you know get us to a state of wholeness and i think it really ties into a lot of what we were kind of talking about earlier people struggling people coming in what their expectations and goals are either in as patients or as clients for you guys and it really gets into kind of what i think is the biggest key for any type of lifestyle modification or change or improvement is mindset Oh, and that's where that's where everything starts at, right? If you don't have the mindset, if your mindset isn't right, then you're not going to be able to commit. You're not going to be able to push through. You're not going to have the right types of goals. Your focus is going to be on the wrong things. And so how do you guys help your patients, especially, or your clients as they're starting out, have that right mindset? Because you talked about how you had a lot of people come in with the wrong mindset. How do you help them kind of transform their mindset for success in your profession? I'll let Dan steal the show on this one. Um, that is, you, you are, I got goosebumps as you're saying that. Hey, you're speaking my language. Um, and even in the itinerary that we'd had where I got mm -hmm. a moment to speak on whatever we want, I was like, I got to talk on psychology. I got to talk on the mindset of the mm -hmm. client, of the athlete. I think like broad spectrum, if I could give an umbrella advice for most people, it's to seek discomfort. It's mm -hmm. to find comfort being uncomfortable. Because we are so default wired to what is convenient and what is fast, what's expedient, what's easy now. Mm -hmm. And there's no development, there's no growth, there's no reward internally to be offered through that route. And mm -hmm. so what I think of is like, as an example, America doesn't have a weight loss problem. Like collectively, we lose millions of pounds every year. The issue is the next year we gain it back with interest. So it's sustaining the results that we make and that is mindset that's mm -hmm. the determining factor for success is your mindset throughout the process so if you are continually doing the hard stuff if you're continually challenging yourself to build more mental resilience and toughness and do things that you don't want to do at the time but you recognize have a greater reward afterwards then you're building a more capable self to take on whatever life throws at you so that could be like you missed a meal and now you're not going to go binging and eating McDonald's. Instead, you're going to make a strategic and intelligent choice with getting whole foods to mm -hmm. make up for your calories that you'd missed. Uh, it's, it's essentially empowering you not to be a puppet on the strings of your motivation or your emotional mm -hmm. impulses or your cravings. And, and instead, you're cutting those strings and you're taking control of your actions and your results and the direction of your life in general. Mm -hmm. uh, so just some people seeking discomfort looks like drinking a gallon of water every day. And that's a good start until that becomes routine for you. And then we need to aim for a bigger fish. For some people, it's hiring a coach that mm -hmm. holds you to an uncomfortable level of accountability. And then you have to look yourself in the mirror and you have to report to somebody else and tell them why it is you didn't take a step forward in, in your development this week. And most people, that's incentive enough to do the work. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It actually ties in pretty well with uh, something else I've been reading lately. It's a book on rewiring your, your mind, and it's talking about two different systems of how we kind of process or how the brain processes. One is a reactionary one, so that's kind of our primitive where it's like, you know, we see something scary, we, we get ready to fight or run. You know, it's like that aspect. But then there's also the other system, which is kind of 
able to overwrite that or control over that. And that's the, for better word, uh, intentional system. So we, we either live reactionary or we live intentionally. And I think that really ties into the more we live intentionally, the more we focus on, um, not just the goals themselves, but the rewards of that goal, how we're going to feel, who we become through reaching that goal. And that's where we, I think we get that greater discipline or, you know, even yeah, great discipline is probably better than motivation because motivation is usually short term. Discipline is that consistency day in, day out. So, And that and on discipline, I think where a lot of people go wrong is they think I either have it or I don't. Or mm-hmm. some people are born with discipline, and it's it's a skill. It it's takes not a, reps. It's not a like, switch you flip in, right? Like. Exactly. <laughs> not and from bodybuilders, we can tell you it didn't just come easier for us. Yeah. Like it comes from repetitions, as building all skills and muscles do. Mm-hmm. Is it's just continually daily practices to instill more discipline into your life. Mm-hmm. So it's still if you don't have it now, you can start taking steps right this very moment to build it. To where a year from now, you'll be unrecognizably more regiment, more disciplined. Mm-hmm. So kind of going back into several different topics that we've been discussing here, uh, we go back into the microbiota. We have things called psychobiotics. Have you guys heard this term? So psychobiotics are probiotics that actually create more serotonin, which makes you feel better. You have ones that produce GABA to allow your body to relax. Mm -hmm. Some help with more dopamine production, which gives you a little more drive and motivation. And so if you're limited on these, it's going to affect the neurotransmitters and how you think, how you're driven, how you're motivated, how you're rewarded for accomplishing these things. And if you're not getting those, that takes a while. So when we go back and we look at what we're eating, eating the whole foods, these foods actually nourish those bacteria so they can continue to grow and multiply and build more and create more of these things. Versus if you're eating crappy foods, one of the big things about some of these fast food places that's known is not necessarily what it is you're eating, it's the fact that it kills your microbiome because right. there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And so a large part of what we're trying to do, especially with you guys, whether you, you know it or not, when you're doing the basic nutrition, the whole foods and all this is you're feeding these probiotics that produce a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And so it's within months of doing this, you start building up these colonies that start producing more of these neurotransmitters, which help with motivation Mm -hmm. and help with these things. This is something we can help the clients too, if they need more of that. We can look at that and say, okay, Mm -hmm. here's what we're limited in. Here's what you need more of. But there's a really good book, if you guys are interested, called The Psychobiotic Revolution, about two psychiatrists in Ireland who Mm -hmm. went through and did the studies Mm -hmm. and figured some stuff out. It's absolutely amazing. I've used this in a lot of my patients, you know, with uh, parasites with because parasites are really mess with your neurotransmitters, right? Because mm-hmm. they're trying to limit serotonin because serotonin also moves your bowels, and so it wants to slow the bowels down so it brings it down. This is why so many kids that are depressed usually have a parasite issue that's playing into it. So we see that quite a bit. So mm-hmm. looking at how you guys are addressing this by going in and dealing with digestion and the gut and everything, these these are great things. So do you guys recommend kombucha or kefir or any of these other probiotic rich stuff? Um, yes, depending on yeah. what, what yeah. Uh, the athlete is experiencing with okay. their digestion. Um, Context. Yeah. It depends. This is something we ought to get so. together and talk about a little bit more yeah. off air. <laughs> and maybe give you guys some cool things to actually bring in and see if that sure. would help. Because it, most people don't understand that we're outnumbered. Was it 200 to 1? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. The, micro, or the microbiota cells right. in our gut outnumbers <clears throat> 200 to 1 to us cells in our own body. Right. And so... A lot of our immune system, a lot of our ability to digest, to process, to absorb, to assimilate these things into the body are depending upon this. And you only breed more if you feed it the right stuff, which is the whole foods is what we're talking about. So you guys are right on track with that yeah. and going mm-hmm. through that. I used to tell my patients all the time, like, all right, I set my goals for the new year. I said, okay, what are they? They go, well, I'm going to hit the gym this many times. I go, 
don't even hit the gym right off the bat. Spend a month trying to get yourself ready before you mm-hmm. go in there because you're going to go into all the other crazies, you know, in January, which <laughs> fade out like <laughs> February. You know what I'm talking about. So, and spend those two months preparing your body and getting ready to start exercising, doing that. Work on detoxification, work on mm-hmm. eating a cleaner diet, work on doing these things. Still go walking, still do some things like that to be active. But before you decide to just go all in, prepare your body for what you're getting ready to go through. Because the other side of this, when you start going through and these guys hit it really hard, being the year gung ho, they start sweating, they start doing all this stuff. All these toxins that have been stored up in the fat get released. Mm-hmm. And then they get they tank in their energy, they get sick, they get worn out, and they're just not properly prepared for what they're trying to do. Again, mm-hmm. going to be there in January and be buffed by February. Yeah, that never works out. <laughs> yeah. You guys know that. Yeah. So it all starts in the gut. Like didn't know the term psychobiotic, but we know that the gut controls mm-hmm. a lot of mainly every, every function in the body yeah. and especially how it um, acts on the brain. You see it all the time. Mm-hmm. I see it even, you know, my fiance, if she eats something bad, her mood is different. I see it. She doesn't, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. And you also see the the new athlete, they go into the gym, like you said, a lot of times they get sick two or three, four weeks later. And mm-hmm. typically, I think it's because they're pushing too hard. They're trying to do too much, you know, early on. But that was interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, a long game, like you guys said. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's and, and especially for you guys, it's setting those expectations. Okay, here's your ultimate goal, but let's be realistic about it and let's talk about it and understand what we're trying to accomplish here to give you better success later on with less pain so you don't get as much cramping the liver's functioning well you can go through and break down your lactic acid and all this stuff and because mm-hmm. of course the quicker you break that down the more gains you get so you want to be able to process through that very quickly and clean all that up so sure. i think the the approach i continually rely on for nearly every facet of this is just minimum effective volume so try to get the greatest possible response from the minimum dose. And that goes for their training. You know, that goes for making dietary changes. But mm-hmm. like when we're getting into training, say they're coming in, they're a resolutioner and they're going from zero and they want to go to 100. I'm like, well, let's, let's get to 20. Let's go in and just do a couple working sets, probably 10 reps away from failure. So you're not at all tapping into those intensity thresholds. Mm-hmm. And let's just get your body familiar with the movement again and introducing a little more stress than what you're currently taking. And then it's like appropriately titrating up the demand over mm-hmm. time. And that's a good way to negate a lot of these like illnesses or immune system function crashes mm-hmm. that they're experiencing because they try to just do everything at once. Well, and it's like everything that we do in the in our office. I mean, all healing comes from a cellular level. Same thing with right. bodybuilding or anything else. I mean, you've got to go through and you've got to challenge those muscles in a way that starts to stimulate the production of more mitochondria for they can start building and producing more energy and power to be able to do these higher demands. And it just takes a while to do that. But you have to have all the raw materials coming into the body. So your whole foods. Right. You have to be able to digest it, process it, assimilate it through the gut, through the liver, to the body so it can go through into the cells to be used appropriately. If any of those areas are challenged. Right. We're going to have a supply and demand issue. And that's what we're really looking at here as far as how do we change that? How do we affect that to yep. get the mm-hmm. best responses? So I like the explanation of supply and demand. I like yeah. it. Because yeah. mm-hmm. you can only meet the demand or the load that's put to you if you have the the resources to do it. So going through that. So kind of switching gears a little bit. You know, we've talked on enough about basic nutrition and, and the different psychobiotics and how that affects the brain and so forth and so on. But, you know, there's so much information overload on social media, right? 
Should I go keto? Should I do carnivore, uh, Mediterranean, paleo, what have you? Um, just kind of elaborate, uh, you know, again, case specific, there's context for sure, but just as a generality, how do you guys approach clients from a nutrition standpoint? Um, a balanced diet. Yeah. Mike, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. Are we talking about the food pyramid here? Well, thank no. you. See you later, guys. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't want to be one extreme or another. Um, raw liver, raw testicles. Right. <laughs> liver is king. You, you want the best sustainability to be able to do it long term, a balanced diet. That's. Yeah. When, when you say balance, though, that may not mean, mean the same thing for other people. So are you going low carb? How are you kind of breaking that There's down? a time and a place for lower carbs. But in uh, generally speaking, um, equal proteins, fats, and carbs. Fats are going to, again, sure. not completely equal, but a balanced spread of all three. For most people, what I find is we need to increase protein starting out because mm, yeah. most people don't don't eat enough protein. And of the three macronutrients, your proteins, your carbs, and your fats, if ever you're going to do a little bit too much of one, then I prefer it to be protein. Sure. Right. It's going to have the highest mm -hmm. thermic effect and the least possible negative repercussion from a little bit too much. Granted, said a little bit, everything's in moderation here. Um, macronutrients like those ratios all kind of depend on where the person's at, what their current nutrition looks like, what their dieting history looks like. But a common principle that applies to really all of them is we're just whole foods. I'm trying to get animal protein sources for 99% of my, my athletes as those are the most complete uh, and bioavailable protein sources. Um, mm -hmm. And then carbs we're doing, these are for energy. So the carbs are, are with a purpose. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's to function their their daily energy or to, or to provide energy for their training sessions. Mm -hmm. So we'll be a little more specific with the timing of those. Um, and then fats. I have a, like a minimum threshold. I won't go below for fats yeah. for the majority of athletes as it's because those are the most pivotal for your hormone production. Mm -hmm. um, but we like I like to find like a healthy window to keep fats where we feel really good and appetites in a good spot. And then we're able to keep those kind of baseline while we work carbohydrates consistently up, depending on their response or down Enter again, appropriate to their goal. But I don't, once we find a good spot for the fats, then they're less likely to move um, as frequently as carbohydrate intake. Right. Gotcha. That and answer your question? No, for sure. For I'll, sure. I'll vomit all day about this stuff yeah. and you'll be <laughs> like, that didn't answer my question. Once protein and fats are established, carbohydrates are your big player. That's the one you, that's the lever you pull. Yeah. So with the proteins, I mean, when most people think of protein, they're thinking, you know, muscle, things like this. But what they don't realize is when those things break down to amino acids, we get things that produce all of our immunoglobins. Mm -hmm. So immunoglobins is a protein and fat together. Well, IgG, IgA, all of your immune system needs this. So that's a benefit. Your neurotransmitters are broken down from amino acids as well. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to want dopamine, you need tyrosine to break down. You got tryptophan, tryptophan to break down to make serotonin which actually breaks down to melatonin to help you sleep more too. So you need to boost all these in your diet to get that up. And the same thing with hormone. I mean, not only do we need that to make more testosterone and things like that, but also helps us deal with um, regulating our uh, blood pressure, with regulating blood flow through the body as we're trying to get a mm -hmm. pump and everything else. Uh, going through and helping with the cortisol and the stress levels. These things are mm -hmm. all important. Carbohydrates, again, those are, like you said, that's when do you take those and when you don't? Do you do you this is my question for you is do you look at putting them on more carbs and days they're working off or on off days? 
or does that change? Kind of like a carb cycling. It depends on the person's psychology, also their you know, and their goals and where they're at. And if their training is intense enough. Correct. Most people don't train as hard as they think. Yeah. Um, and really, it just depends on adherence and the person's psychology. If they're able to, you know, do different diets on different days, then yes. But a lot of times, um, some clients, when they go to work, they don't know if they're going to be able to train that night or not, depending on how busy work is. Mm. In that case, I would keep the diet the same. You know, mm-hmm. again, every, every situation has context, but, um, there are, there are some times where you do keep carbs lower on off days just because the activity level is so much lower than training days. Yeah. Yeah. As a general rule, uh, probably I'm going to have higher carbohydrate on training days where there's more demand, but again, there's so many different exceptions to that. And the carbohydrates release serotonin, which makes you feel better. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I'm having a bad day, go eat a few carbs okay, I'm feeling better about it now. I mean, usually I have people come in, I've talked to other trainers and stuff, they go, yeah. They come in, I say, go eat some carbs real quick and let's get you ready for the workout today because you need a little bit more of that to get them the right mindset as we talked about because if the neurotransmitters aren't there, you're going to try to force yourself into something and be pissed the whole time you're doing it. And sometimes that works, being angry while you work out. <laughs> Short-term <laughs> you know, solution, yeah. You know, you may not get the full yeah. benefit of it and, right. and you may walk out of there feeling a little bit better, not quite as angry, but it may not give you quite as much as what you're looking for. So again, supply and demand. So yeah. mm-hmm. there are cases too, where you could do higher carbs on off days and justify yeah, that's that. What, yeah. You know, just exactly. Really depends just on the depends. Yep. Absolutely. So do you guys do stuff with blood type? Uh, I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's something I came across just by accident, really. Um, a couple of years ago, I was working with my coach and I noticed that, for me, I was eating a lot of avocado. I had avocado on two of my meals. I love avocado, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but I was getting indigestion and I don't get indigestion. And I would notice I was tasting the avocado. So I just got to look and, you know, and I came across blood type diet and it just, something clicked for me. Um, so ever, ever since I had that kind of aha moment, it is something I, I don't live or die within that box. Mm-hmm. you know, when building a diet for a client, but it is something that I do consider. Um, and again, it depends on the situation. Do you want me to share the story? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Okay. Go so I had a girl, um, come to me that was in really, really bad shape. She was in and out of the doctor almost daily in the ER all the time. They had her on a, a bunch of, um, steroid shots. They had her on a diuretic every day because of the inflammation and the, the, the swelling and her legs. And I was, I told her, I said, look, we'll, we'll, we'll give this a shot and see what happens. And I started with blood type. The, the whole point or the whole idea behind it is to, you know, help with illness. Mm-hmm. And we put in foods that fit her blood type. And within a week, the swelling was down. Her sinuses had improved. Her sleep was better. Her mood her you know everything was improving and it's gotten better and better and better ever since we began Mm. and right now she's about to step on stage as a competitor in Mm. you know just over a week and that was something i was really worried about but she is actually thriving while dieting this hard and doing that much cardio because she was sick and felt so terrible for so long this is easy to her Mm-hmm. So honestly, mm-hmm. she's going to be a scary competitor 
if this is easy for her <laughs> because she lived in such a bad state for so long. Mm-hmm. And literally the only thing I did was just use kind of the guidelines on blood type diet to build her diet. And we've kind of stuck yeah. with that because it works so well. Mm. Um, now I have others that, you know, say you shouldn't eat dairy, but when dairy's in, when dairy's out, they get constipated when dairy's in, you know, their bowels are normal. Yeah, it's it really kind of and again that goes back to a lot of your probiotics that are in there as well. Mm-hmm. Is what we're dealing with. Yeah. So what I found with the the blood type diets and stuff is, me personally, I don't think it's absolutely a hundred percent kind of like you're saying. But what I find is that with certain blood types, you process and can digest things very effectively. Mm-hmm more than other people can with other types of things. So in my family, there's my wife, my two daughters, and there's me and my son. Me and my son were type A, which means that we need meat and vegetables and things like this. The girls in my family, they're just straight carnivores. Like they'll make two, three racks of ribs and they're good. I'm like, you know, my son can, can we have a salad with that or something? You know, right. we're, we're, we need a little bit more than just meat, you know, but the girls in my family are straight up carnivores. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm O too, like O, yeah. so I yeah. fall into that as well. I always and growing up too, like people said they can't digest red meat before a workout. I'm like, what? That makes no difference to me. Yeah. You know, O has, naturally has higher stomach acid, um, so it never bothered me. But yeah, it, it's it's just something. It's a tool that you know can be utilized if if need be. Okay. So just one more in the toolbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking yeah. of tools, that's a good segue. I didn't have this on our notes, but. Um, do you guys use, so when, when people, again, when we talk about stuff in here, us doctors and then you guys, we forget that we're here intelligence-wise, and that's not a bad thing. That's just our experience. That's our training. That's our education. And, and we forget that our listeners or our patients, our clients, whatever, they're coming in with a much lower understanding than us. So with that said, when you th- at least for your average Joe, when they're thinking about bodybuilding coaches or lifestyle client coaches, they may not know that you guys have a lot of tools at your disposal too. Too. So how are you, do you measure things? Do you use blood work? Do you use other things to implement to kind of track and guide and measure? Yes, for sure. Um, like in my check-in process, for example, it's asked for quite a bit of feedback. Um, and it's feedback as far as like, I'm first feeling for their mindset, again, kind of getting a feel for the psychology. So I'm asking for what wins they experienced in the past week. Uh, we're doing physical measurements. This is also to kind of drive home the importance of the scale is not our only indicator for success. It's just right. one of the many markers. Um, so I'm doing like bicep, thigh measurement, waist measurement. We're just continually watching, watching their ratios. Um, and then blood glucose is another thing that I consistently ask for. And it gives us quite a bit of feedback as to one, of course, their insulin sensitivity, how efficient they are with the food that we're eating. Um, but it could also give us some some acute feedback as far as their stress response, uh, if sleep needs to be addressed, if food timing needs to be addressed. Um, quite a bit of just more useful information than just making sure that every carb we eat is being efficiently used. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's most of what I'm asking for in my athlete check-ins. Yeah. Um- pretty much the same thing. I don't, I don't, as far as measurements, I ask for their waist measurement. Um, and then my men, if they want to measure like chest, biceps, stuff like that, the ones that are in the bodybuilding, we'll do that like every three or four months. Now, as far as like fasting glucose, um, that's not something that I ask. Um, I do have, I did have an athlete that was okay with checking it, but I find that you know, gin pop, they don't want to prick their finger every morning and check their fasted blood glucose. But I use blood work to check that. And we're doing blood work every three to four months, especially for, you know, the 
to athletes. Nice. Um, and you know, we do blood work evaluation and if there's something way off, you know, I always, the something I nail home to everyone is I'm not a doctor. Sure. And everything that, everything that I'm telling you is just my advice on how I think you should go about doing this. But ultimately it's, it's in your hands, how you handle it. But if something's seriously wrong, I always send them to a doctor, but seek medical professional. Absolutely. Nice. What are some um, of the things you guys are screening or looking for on a, on a blood work? <clears throat> sex hormone levels, uh, in general, which is your testosterone, your estradiol, uh, sex hormone binding globulin. Mm -hmm. Um, looking at thyroid function, their total T4, T3, free T3. Uh, just making sure that everything is converting at an appropriate rate and essentially we're getting the metabolic output that we want. Nice. We're not seeing any major deficiencies there. Mm -hmm. um, CRP, which is just systemic inflammation. Mm -hmm. Again, making sure they're not in a hyper-inflammatory state, which could be indicative of a lot of other issues that we need to address first. Yeah. Um, then your like metabolic panel, your kidney, liver values, the organ function. I think not many people would know that. So I think that's really great that you guys are doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's been one of the beautiful things about like coaching now is when you first want to become a coach, there's zero, zero barrier to entry. Right. But if you want to be a good coach and you want to stick around for longer than a, a year or two, you better know how to help the athlete on an internal level. Sure. And it's like, it's our responsibility to just constantly keep evolving, keep growing our own education mm -hmm. uh, and taking that initiative to level up for our athletes. So we continually can help them on a, a greater level. Awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. What are some of the ways that you guys monitor uh, gut health? I make them send pictures of every. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sounds like us. <laughs> no, so on my check-ins and visual, you can see this visually too. Sometimes um, with my women, I always ask them what uh, menstrual phase they're in mm. as well, because that does matter. That plays mm -hmm. a role. And a lot of times they're like, "I'm so bloated." Because you're about to start your period too. Like, let's you know, don't get too far ahead of ourselves. But um, I have a rating scale on my check-ins, like stress, sleep, digestion, energy, performance in the gym, all these things. And I have them rate where they're at. Mm -hmm. And week to week, I can see the changes. And I try to educate them on what good digestion is using the Bristol um, stool scale, you know, stuff like that. And just depends on the feedback that they give me. And it's a conversation that most people don't expect to have, but it's a conversation <laughs> that happens way more often than you would mm -hmm. think. And it's an, and it's an important conversation. And I ask them, what's it looking like? When are you going? How often are you going? You know, I need the details. I think you quickly establish working with an athlete that there's no such thing as too, too much information. No. <laughs> it's like, I'm going <laughs> to ask the you more information you're not better. expecting for sure. So for those that are, are listening, uh, he mentioned the, the Bristol stool chart. Look that up and it'll give you diagrams of what your stool looks like, different shapes. Then you can look and compare and see what that means and what's going on in your gut. So it's basically... How your Tootsie Roll looks coming out. Proud to say I've been type four for the last few nice. months. Yeah, that's what we want. That's right. Very yeah, that, cool. that gives you, a, you know, a, an idea of where to start. Yeah, so. I ask for like any excessive feelings of bloat throughout the day or following any specific meals or food sources we need to pay attention to. Uh, feelings of lethargy mm -hmm. after their meals. Um, brain fog. Um, and then we're even asking for, or I'm even asking them for like appetite. Like, are you hungry for your next meal two to three hours later? That could be another indication that we need to change up sourcing. 
address it on another level. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think you covered everything else. For yeah. Me. Appetite, yeah. hunger. Those are ones too. Um, even the ability to get a pump in the gym, you know, that, that plays into digestion as well. Yeah. It says mm -hmm. a lot about the environment you've got going on. Mm -hmm. Not to beat a horse to death here, but I held an older doctor one time tell me that a two inch stinker that's a sinker is better than a one foot floater with no odor. <laughs> Worst to live by. Wow. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I was like, all right then. So that's awesome. I have to remember that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. Um, well, shoot, we kind of stole your guys' thunder a little bit talking about the blood type dieting and then Dan talking about mindset stuff. But you know, Dr. Caleb, Dr. Kyson, do you guys have anything else for them? Any other questions or? So I came across something interesting this last week. Um, have you guys watched any of the Huberman Labs podcast? So bit, yeah. I came across one. It was actually an excerpt of one of his episodes. It wasn't the full episode because those are like an hour and a half to two and a half hours long. This was only like 10, 15 minutes. But it was interesting because um, it was talking about the effectiveness of cooling between sets. And it was specifically talking about cooling of the palms the uh, bottom of the feet or the face because the vasculature in those areas of the body interact with heat or heat exchange a little differently than most other areas and it's actually able to cool the core and the brain a lot faster and um, there was a study i don't it didn't really give all the information about the study in this little excerpt i'm still trying to figure out if i can find the whole thing and figure out where i can actually see the study in more detail but um, it was talking about how they did a study where they did palmer cooling so cooling of the hands and there was a specific temperature range that it needed to be as well because if it was too cold it they would constrict and it wouldn't get the same effect but just doing some cooling of it even just putting your hand on like the cold gem wall or something if you have like the stone or the or a metal beam or something in there that that can um, help with overall sets and effectiveness in there so it's not going to increase your ability to lift more weight but it'll allow them to do more wet more sets and reps and stuff like that more efficiently so they were mainly measuring um, pull-ups dips and like bench press and it went into basically when they were doing this in between sets, they were able to do about 300% more sets within like a few days. Of course, they were doing a whole lot through this. And these were, you know, people who were experienced, you know, it's not going to be someone off the street just jumping in doing 600 <laughs> pull-ups or anything like that. But um, they were able to increase their effectiveness. And then even a couple of days later, without that cooling effect, they're able to maintain some of that. Have you seen anything on that? I haven't, but that's fascinating. Yeah. And I was kind of going into um, the pyruvate kinase and how that affects constriction of the muscles and even how when we, um, you know, fatigue, you know, when we're doing reps and stuff, a lot of that comes into the muscle getting too warm. So it's kind of affecting that aspect. It's definitely something I'm going to, for my own training, I'm going to have to look mm -hmm. more into. Yeah, I'll see if I can find that uh, research in more detail and yeah. get that to you guys. Please do. Because it, it would almost go against traditional thought process mm -hmm. when you're in the gym yeah so that is interesting so uh, a friend of mine dr uh jerome maruka he's a he's a big championship bodybuilder at one point and power lifter and he was he was doing a seminar as that and he was talking about how one of the greatest things that you can do for your thyroid since we're talking about blood tests and tests of thyroid is grip strength since the same innervation that goes to the thyroid goes back to the grip strength what they did is you guys probably know about these grip competitions they have around the world where they're not just squeezing stuff but they're grabbing 
basically a hockey puck with their fingertips and they're lifting up 45 pound weight and holding it there. So what they found is all these women that competed in it, none of them had a single issue with their thyroid. And so grip strength is one of the biggest things that you can do as far as even just looking as you age, if your grip strength starts declining, then you're really going to be in trouble. So grip strength and training on that is huge, just even for thyroid. So when we're working out and we're doing these things, it's fascinating how much that hmm. innervates or stimulates the thyroid to function at an even higher level when you're working the actual grip strength. Hmm. Now, do you think that's a site like the grip strength isn't the direct marker that's improving that, but grip strength goes up because they're heavy weightlifting all different movements while just using no assisted like straps or wraps. Yeah, they're just I mean, using their just hands. just working on that. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of different ones they had where they had to be able to hold different things, put their hands in different things and be able to grab it. So it was all basically innervation of the forearm muscles, which was affecting when they were doing that exercise, it stimulated the thyroid to function at a higher level too. Hmm. And wow. so there's pretty interesting. So that was a huge study that was done. I have to go look that up. I hadn't seen it in a while, but it was saying that all these women that competed and in Europe, there's like thousands of these women that compete in these different things here. But the, the most fascinating one was the, the little metal looked like a hockey putt. You literally grabbed your fingertips here had a hook with that attach it like a 45 pound weight. They're literally grabbing their fingertips and lifting it through the air. But when they're going through and they're testing all these women, none of them had a thyroid issue at all. It was like, I mean, come on. How many women do you know in the population? Right. You take yeah. 10, half of them have a right. thyroid issue, right? Yeah, and the correlation there is Yeah, so strong. it's so when you go back, you look at it, well, the muscles and the nerves that go to the muscles that also innervate these organs, not just the thyroid, but the same ones that go through and innervate all these other organs, we're getting much better organ health and stimulation through that energetically <clears throat> through the nervous system by exercising, doing these muscles, which most people don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that or not, but... I had heard um, there's a direct correlation between grip strength and, and life expectancy and longevity. Yeah. And so that makes sense that that would tie into what you're saying. If everything is functioning more effectively internally, starting with the thyroid, <clears throat> I mean, it ties in. My thoughts were when I heard that, though, I'm sure there was a huge upsell and like the hand strengthening gadgets and gizmos <laughs> yeah. rather yeah, than people just raw gripping like their deadlifts or farmers carries, which I think would have significantly more carryover positive carryover than just specifically isolating like the hand or the grip i think it's just any type of flexor action there with the fingertips there is what's going to stimulate that so really do you guys like the fat grips so this is you ever use those? i have those yes. yeah yeah have you ever shaken like a really really old man's hand and he about crushes your hand yeah <laughs> it makes sense right they had like a life of physical labor yeah no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like an old farmer and like right. crush your hand like, oh yeah i mean that's just i mean they may <laughs> look wiry and scrawny but they but yeah. will they'll, they'll rub your knuckle bones together a little yeah. bit there yeah and he's like 95 years old uh you know before the sun comes up out on yeah. you know there you working. Go. so huh. built that up but yeah that's so it's pretty interesting so i guess the takeaway is the better your grip the better you can grasp onto life yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> there you go. He reached for you that just one. just waited for that one. A little bit, but you know, I grabbed onto My grip was strong on that one, so I pulled it back in. <laughs> we need to so, get a hold of this conversation. <laughs> so one of the other interesting things about what we do in our clinic, so uh, f funny story, Luke came in one day and he was sitting there and he's trying to turn his head. And so I said, you know, let, let, let's get creative here. I had an idea. Okay. And I said, let, let's, uh, let's take some of the energetic stuff we do because we are energetic beings. I mean, we think mm -hmm. of things very mechanically as far as muscles and joints and lifting and mechanical action. But I said, well, let me try something here. And so what we did, what did we invert it? I think we inverted the frequency. This is how the Austrian Oak was born. Yeah. <laughs> so this is how uh, we, we went through. We have a machine that we were able to take all the frequencies for all the joints, muscles, ligaments, and everything like that. And then we put those into a bottle to stimulate that. I said, okay, 
I said, you test into it. Let's see how it works. He took 10 droppers of it. And I said, now slowly turn your head. He went and about snapped his neck. He's like, there was no resistance at all. <laughs> and all stupid. that was, was a energetic messenger to the body to tell it to relax that muscle down yeah. or to allow that to do that. So there's some really cool things that we're playing with in the background here oh. as we're going through this going, well, if you can tell the body to stop reacting the way it's reacting after it's worked out, can you change the benefit of the workout? Can you increase the benefit of it? So there's some fun things that we're playing with in the background right now. Right. And he called it the Austrian Oak after Arnold, of course. And yeah. So, but that was kind of a cool remedy we came up with. That's absolutely just wild. And we've used that on, I don't know, Several, hundreds and yeah. hundreds of patients now. That's really helped them That's relax. Cool. And, yeah, that that's like the phone thing that you did. I was about to ask that next point is, you know, kind of setting that up would be, do you guys notice anything that just as we're talking about can be energetically positive or stimulating to the body in a, in a good way? Are there any things that you guys notice that interferes with it? And this can tie into screen usage, whatever, anything like that that you see. As far as performance? Yeah, performance yeah, or I just mean, overall being. I mean, this can tie into sleep hygiene or anything like that, too. So, Oh, man. Um to be as specific as like training performance, the elimination of screens and like not having your phone in your pocket, which you showed Joey who enthusiastically <laughs> showed me. <laughs> I was trying to alley up it to I've, you guys. I've, I've shown point. probably like at least 20, 30 people that and they're hooked. They're like, what? Yeah. I think just uh, as a general rule, if it, if it steals your focus, uh, it doesn't serve you. And so, especially with like training, where we have mm. a very specific intentional goal going into each training session to improve, uh, we don't need the televisions and the phones in our hands and just the constant like noise and, and stimulation, uh, just trying to steal away what it is we're trying to do. And you could probably carry that into every principle that you're trying to improve. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just easy for me to use the very specific example I'm exposed to every day. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just the distractions that would if it ties into sleep hygiene for sure so you know people are on their phone late at night they're trying to catch up with social media from being at work all day and before you know it it's nine o'clock and they're going to bed you know just get off your phone and get yeah, away from night's it. pretty late for you isn't it oh no it's super late <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I tell all my clients i, I go to bed at seven o'clock yeah. So I mean, it's like 7.30, 7.40, if it's a good night. But dang, I need uh, to start telling like, mine that even if it's not true. So I'll stop, <laughs> I'll stop getting the 10.30 messages. Oh, yeah. I still get them. I tell them that's fine, but don't expect a response right away. You but know? then you'll start getting the 3 a.m. messages. <laughs> I guess that's well, true. See, you got to be up by that's now. Fine. That's fine for me. I'm yeah. up at 3. That's when you so, respond is at 3 a.m. after they send you a 10.30. So. Right, well, that's when I get up. So, yeah, right <laughs> back at you. That's how I feel. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome very cool yeah sleep hygiene is super important um for anyone you know wanting to live a long healthy life so sleep is super important i think that's another big rock that <clears throat> starting out you can count on like 99 percent of most individuals not taking serious enough mm -hmm. and, and most people think it's like well i unwind and i turn off i'm in a cool dark room and mm -hmm. so i should be good and i take melatonin I'm just like, well, you watch it, you're staring at a screen or you're getting blue light exposure up until the moment you go into bed, which is one big problem for your melatonin production. Mm -hmm. But two, like all throughout the day, you're having stimulants and you're getting all these like rushes of adrenaline. Your circadian rhythm is just absolutely whack. And uh, people don't realize like you start preparing for bed the moment you wake up. Hmm. That's when you, sh if for best practices for sleep. So was, uh, upon waking, if you can get some early sunlight exposure, 
to help support that circadian rhythm and your natural cortisol response. Mm -hmm. So it's more of an ebb and flow and not so much of like a, a pulsometer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And, and last point, uh, we had mentioned grip strength and um, women and the thyroid health. Um, that kind of, again, thinking about things from a potential client perspective, one of the things you see on social media a lot is um, particularly women are afraid if they start lifting weights, they're just going to get big and bulky. Um, do you guys want to address that real quick? I wish it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish that you could accidentally get huge. Yeah. Oh no. Just happened by accident. Darn it. I should have stopped two reps ago. Yeah. You'll, you'll know early on, even like as a young teen, like your ability to put on muscle, the ones that are genetically gifted at that naturally have way more muscle without even trying. Yeah. And yeah. So you're saying you guys coach a lot of ladies too, and it's not, they don't just get big and bulky and blown. No, the look that they actually want oh. to achieve the majority of the time, we call it toned. And that's right. the, it's the curse of marketing. But what that is, is it's having lean muscle and yeah. a lower body fat percentage. Yeah. And so you, it's the same things you would typically do to build lean muscle on a male because a female has, and we're assuming we're hormonally healthy here. She has an adequate level of testosterone to build muscle what's appropriate for her yeah. and not stack on muscle like the Austrian oak. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying resistance training is the way and they don't have to be a cardio bunny and get on a treadmill for hours on end, right? This is the way. Correct. <laughs> and women build muscle more easily than they think, but it's not at the rate that they're afraid of that they're afraid of. Yeah. Correct. And you will find nowadays, there are a lot of young females that want to be uh, muscle mommies. They want that look. They yeah, they the want to They want to be huge and jacked. I don't know where it came from. I think honestly, I, mean, I, I, I think it's the demasculinization it of men. That's right. I think they're trying to fill the shoes of the average male being. Oh, that's so a whole other topic for a whole other day. But. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're aligning on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, Dr. Caleb, Dr. Kyson, do you guys have anything else for Joey or Dan? Uh, one of the big things is we, we talk about, you know, sleep being important for repairing over, but most people don't get the uh, rest. We're not talking mm. sleeping here, but resting the body, resting the mind. I mean, I don't care if it's meditation. I don't care if it's just find a quiet place, getting away from the screens as we mm. call it, you know, and just letting the body rest, letting your body build a process, everything in, in accordance to what it needs without necessarily having to go, well, go lay down, take a nap, you know. Get outside, work on some breathing exercise, things like that I think are huge. But in our society, we're so busy with everything else. We're so distracted with everything. It's hard to find that time. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, it's like, okay, well, I need to go do that. But, oh, I got to do this. You know, or we get distracted with the things that we need to get done or that we perceive as more important. But right, because we don't value our health sometimes as much as we should. Or we don't value what that's actually doing for us, you know, even before we go to sleep or anything like that. So, yep. I agree 100%. I think we're just very um, addicted unknowingly to stimulation and distraction. And I think it's the hardest thing in the world for many of us to just sit in a room alone with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like not to get too deep there. But a lot of times the advice I give my athletes and it seems kind of esoteric or woo-woo is I'm just meditate for 15 minutes at the start of your day or go for a long walk outside while yeah. deep breathing through your nose and don't have music, don't have your phone on you. Yeah. Just be where you're at and allow yourself to be in that, that relaxed parasympathetic state. Yeah. Yeah. I would say even like rest to me would be considered like just gathering socially with friends and getting away from the phones and just being present with one another and just enjoying your time together. Because I think that's something that a lot of people really lack 
these yeah. days. Like true interaction and, and yeah, social. That, yeah. So, yeah, oxytocin is an important one that comes up from doing things you enjoy, working out or hobby, crafts, whatever it is, spending time with people you enjoy having conversation, like today. You know, this is great conversations. This is, you know, we enjoy this. So this boosts our oxytocin. So as we sit here and talk, mm-hmm. you know, I'm more relaxed and everything else. And I'm yeah. enjoying it, having a good time because you're doing something that you enjoy or you get something out of. So it releases that oxytocin, which sure. we all need more of. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. I think before we, you know, close out, I'd like to ask one question for practical purposes for those weekend warriors out there or the people that who are especially as we're going into summer, might be getting more active than they used to. They might be going out, you know, we talked about last with our summer fun episode about, you know, maybe doing other things like beach volleyball or sand volleyball, other sports that are more fun and interactive, but there are going to be people that are going to be more active than usual. And that's where we get a lot of joint injuries. So a lot of people that are going to be more susceptible to joint injuries. So when you have people, either the resolutioners or weekend warriors that are trying to get more serious, what are your, some of the practical steps you take to help them stabilize the joints and prevent injury? This is one thing that even starting out with higher protein is going to play a big role in just strengthening mm-hmm. that connective tissue. Um, and then just incorporating while we're introducing them to a lot of the movements that we're going to be doing in training, mm-hmm. uh, introducing them to a lot of mobility work to wake these areas up and better recruit the intended muscle groups is another just, I think, pivotal part of just beginning this lifestyle. Yeah. And that way you're... <clears throat> If you're if you're lifting correctly, let's not call it bodybuilding because that people like say that's not me. But if you're resistance training correctly, it's going to continually improve your joint strength, your range of motion, and your mm-hmm. overall mobility and flexibility. Yeah. Mm. It's when you're doing it poorly or doing it with <laughs> limited range of motion that you're yeah. setting yourself up for failure and, and eventually injury. The best example here, like everyone says, that squatting is bad for your knees. Squatting is great for your knees if done correctly. So movement in in and of itself is great for your joints and preventing injury. The more you move, the better you should feel as long as you're doing the movements correctly. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I try to like explain it to some people. Like if you have joint pain, imagine your muscles as rubber bands. There's like, you know, I have knee pain. Well, it's likely something in your calf or in your quad or in your mm-hmm. hip that's like put a knot in that rubber band, it gets tighter and it's pulling on that joint. Right. And it kind of paints a picture for them why they're having joint pain. It's not the joint necessarily that's the issue. It's something in the connective tissue around the joint. When I was in school, it was fascinating because we went through and we did all these studies on this different stuff. And one of the things I found that was most interesting was concentric loading. So when you're doing a curl and you're bringing the barbell up, that's for helping to build muscle. Your eccentric loading is slowly releasing it down and controlling it is what builds your joints and your collagen and everything else in there. So the release of that muscle controlling the way back down is just as important as curling it back up. So some people try to swing them real fast and drop them and swing them. And you really got to pay attention because that eccentric loading, whether it's the coming down and controlling on a squat or going up, you know, they're, they're equally as important because they're stimulating different growth in different areas and to Absolutely. protect that. And so... This is where people look for that burst mm-hmm. of energy, which is great if you untrain that way, but understand that to protect those joints and protect all those tissues around them to stimulate that growth, eccentric loading is going to be just as important. So. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and, and both are big on yeah. this. And you, yeah. we'll implement things like tempo reps, 
mm-hmm. where we're placing an, a specific emphasis on the eccentric portion. Mm-hmm. But you're also a lot stronger in the eccentric portion. You're like three oh, yeah. times stronger than the concentric portion. Right. So you should make those more challenging to make them equally valuable. Yeah. Con- control that weight. Control, yeah. You guys know Paul Carter? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he's actually posted a lot of compelling research too, kind of on that point. Um, and Chris Beardsley that um, actually the eccentric phase as well plays just as much of a role in hypertrophy or muscle building as the concentric phase. So both of those things working in tandem, you get so much out of the eccentric loading as well. So again, controlling the weight, not swinging it. I always tell tell him like you're missing, you're wasting half the time in the gym with missed opportunity. You see someone do a deadlift and then they just drop the weight. Right. Did you just miss 50% of your training opportunity by dropping the weight? Dead on. So, Bingo. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Bingo. Well, anything else, gentlemen, either from you two or are you guys doctors? Grateful. So thankful for you guys having us on. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm thankful for you guys to be here and, and hopefully it's good for our listeners and your guys as well. So just to close us out here, if people are interested in working with you guys, how do they go about that? Um, you can find me on Instagram um, at Rare Breed Physiques. You can also email me, joey at rarebreedphysiques.com. And awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to give my phone number. <laughs> I'll give out Joey's phone number. Uh, yeah. You can find me um, on Instagram. It's at it's bat Dan, B A T D A N. Uh, and then my website is coached by icon.com where you can inquire uh, to work with me, or I actually have a couple other coaches on my team that all just have a, a variety of different specialties. So uh, we're outfitted to work and, and be able to help just about anybody. Um, and then my email is dan at coach by icon. So you can reach out directly and I'd be happy to help you there as well. And then I do have a podcast myself yes. uh, called Iconversations oh, on Spotify. Yeah, yeah I had to there. go with like a pun. Like <laughs> I'm not a dad yet, but you know, dad jokes are like thick Your in dad my blood. Training. Yeah, <laughs> been prepared for it. Very cool. So be sure to check those out. Well, again, Joey, Dan. Thanks for being here, guys. Really yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. Thank so. you guys very much. It's been a blast. Yeah, we'll have to have you come back again. Go over absolutely. some more interesting topics I really enjoyed today. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, thank you again so much. This has been another episode of Docera Digest, and be sure to join us next time. Thank you for listening to the Docera Digest podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all the episodes and show notes over at doceralifecenter.com. While you're on the website, also be sure to check out the blog where you'll find videos and articles to help you proactively rebalance your health.